Hello and welcome to our new episode of Risk and Regulation Unraveled, our Grant Thornton's Financial Services podcast. I'm Irina Velkova, your regular host, and I bring to you conversations about the dynamic world of risk and regulation. We help our financial services clients understand new regulatory developments, upcoming changes, and how to stay ahead of the regulatory curve by inviting renowned experts to share their insights. We're less than two months until the new consumer duty rules are legally enforced. It's been an intensive and somewhat challenging journey for some of the firms to have to introduce new arrangements, enhance existing governance, conduct fair value assessments and put in place monitoring processes, as well as ensure that they can demonstrate compliance by 31st of July. We have been supporting a whole plethora of firms with implementation of the rules and have clearly identified some key challenges, which very much like the consumer duty cross-cutting rules cut across each firm in industry. However, we have also noted that there are some critical enablers which can significantly support businesses with ongoing compliance and ensuring that firms stay on the top of the rules going forward. Major role in that is played by RegTech firms in the use of technology that can be of tremendous support. We have witnessed the successful use of a number of tools and there are many more use cases. So today, I have invited two of the most innovative RegTech firms that we believe can considerably ease the consumer duty journey for firms to share how they have been supporting businesses in the last several months. So I would like to first welcome Joseph Twick, who is the CEO of Avini. I'll leave it to him to introduce what Avini does because um, I'm sure I can't make any justice to it, but I will just mention that Joseph has an impressive career in financial services, having spent over 15 years working in the investment industry and literally as the head of strategy and business management for Aberdeen Standard Investments. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Joseph. Hi, thanks for having me. We are also joined by Simon Murphy, who is the Sales and Marketing Director at Bizolution. Simon held senior executive roles in communication, collaboration and transformation technology businesses for over 20 years and joined Visualision just a year ago. Again, I'll leave it to Simon to tell you more about Visualision, but great to have you with us, Simon. Hi, Irina. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of the conversation today, um, as I mentioned just, just now, Joseph, Simon, do you mind please sharing what Avini and, and Visualision are about? So that's obviously our listeners understand better yours and your business's background and therefore what standpoint you're sharing your views from and i guess joseph maybe starting with you sure so if any you're a technology company um, we focus on natural language processing uh, and we've developed a, a product called Eveni detect um, which monitors your customer uh, interactions so Veni can join your client meetings, whether over the phone or via VC or even face to face. Uh, we capture your client meetings and then we analyze uh, the meetings and automate the output. So that could be automated quality assurance, identification of vulnerable customers, uh, things of that nature. And what we've done, and, and I guess why I'm on this uh, podcast, we've aligned all the output of our platform to the four consumer duty themes. And that enables our clients to get um, an almost an almost live view of of consumer duty compliance. Um, so monitoring on an ongoing basis, consolidating under the the four themes, and and presenting that back to senior management so they can keep their finger on the pulse um, for consumer duty. Sounds very exciting and very interesting, and and I'm sure we can get into more discussion about it. Well, Simon. 
your turn, I guess, now need to sort of uh, answer to that introduction by Avini. Okay, um, so uh, I work for a business called uh, Visolution, and Visolution are essentially a business journey specialist, so customer journeys. Um, what do I mean by customer journeys? This is any interaction that a customer would have with uh, one of your employees, with your brand or a service. And it kind of doesn't matter whether that's face to face or digital online. Um, and we enable ultimately that face to face experience that people expect from their brands to be done remotely. Um, and we've built our reputation working primarily within the financial industry, within tier one banks, um, and enabling complex or fractured journeys to complete be completed in one hit remotely, whether that's uh, assisted by an agent or an advisor or done completely as a self-service journey online. Thank you. I'm sure you've got interesting stories to talk about through um, and how some of the banks in particular have been experiencing um, the implementation of the consumer duty. And I guess to, to that point, perhaps my first question um, is sort of based on your impressions and your own um, views, if you like, as to how firms have gone about implementing it. So I know both Avenia and Resolution have done work. So I guess what's your take on how how banks and other financial services firms have actually approached the consumer duty regulations and, and maybe starting with you this time, Simon? Um, yeah, as I said, working with tier one banks, I mean, banks, when they are working with their clients, have always had a lot of structure and process in place. Um, they follow the rules, they ensure that people understand what they're getting into when they're engaging with any financial transaction. And uh, they go through a set of processes to ensure that it works for the bank, obviously, but the customer understands the expectations on them and what they're what they're agreeing to. I think I think a lot of smaller businesses that are now managing any sort of financial transaction, especially a remote transaction. And there's a lot of businesses now. We're seeing a lot of online shops are doing um are enabling this buy now pay later sort of functionality within their website and uh banks are looking at this at how those loans are being made and actually they don't there is a difference between a bank going through a process to make a loan and ensure that a customer understands the implications of that and a buy now pay later is a much faster route to enabling you to make a purchase. So I think there is a struggle. I think part of the FCA's activity is actually to try and balance that out. So rather than seeing the banks making it easier, it's about making those other organisations be more aware of the implications of uh, these financial transactions. Uh, so it's interesting. I think there's a lot of questions and I guess we only really, a lot of businesses only really start to find out whether they're getting rights when there is a complaint or they get something wrong. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's totally new, obviously. So we are yet to experience uh, and some of the challenges, I guess, as as once we've got the rules implemented. And it is going to be an interesting contradiction to your point about making sure that the, the, the focus remains on the customer whilst actually having those fairly onerous um, requirements if you like for firms and I guess Joseph what's been your experience with with businesses in, in the, on that journey if you like well it's been a as you'd expect a, a sort of full spectrum 
So if you go back to this time last year, um, when we knew um, the final guidance was uh, just about to be published, um, consumer duty wasn't on many people's minds. <laughs> Fast forward to September, October, um, the it, the appointment of the consumer duty um, INED, the initial plans uh, for implementation, I think that got people really um, uh, purring uh, and quite a few uh, companies quite concerned. Um, so I think that had the intended uh, effect. Um, and I think since then, what's really happened, um, I, I'd split consumer duty into two parts. So what you say you do, um, so that's your product governance, your definitions of good outcomes, price and fair value, things of that nature. Going through this whole exercise of uh, gap analysis for existing um, and, uh, and, and future uh, products. All of the uh, time and effort, I think, pretty much today has been spent really in that in that space. And over the last few months, we've seen a shift into this other bucket, the um, not what you say you do, it's what you actually do. So how do you um, capture data and demonstrate to the regulator that what you say you do is actually happening out there at the call face with your customers? Um, <clears throat> and I think my impression is companies have left it a little bit late in terms of the deadline and sort of accepted that by the 31st of July deadline, the systems and, and uh, uh, processes may not be in place, may not be fully embedded, but um, the, the plans um, uh, are. Um, so we see people behind in terms of reporting, uh, demonstrating consumer duty outcomes, but we also see uh, uh, companies uh, that have done a lot of really good work in terms of uh, uh, definitions, gap analysis and process. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. There is nothing else like um, deadlines that focuses the mind better. So definitely the October and the, the April deadlines have have um, grasped uh, people's attentions, but I, I sort of share senior observations that a lot of businesses have left it to quite late, frankly, to start. And I think what's happened is, to your point about being focused on getting the definitions right, that's unraveled a lot of complexities within their own businesses, which they haven't really, um, I guess, um, acknowledged before or even realised. So, uh, and, and I guess linked to that is perhaps my next question. So, Simon, from, from the work you've done, where did you see perhaps the biggest challenges um, and, and I guess, if you like, the, some of the issues that firms have to tackle um, throughout that implementation process initially? I think um, I think some of the areas that we've been able to to help, especially, is around ensuring that there's that structure and process in place. So uh, ensuring that your consistency of message and clarity of information. So that's been, especially if there's an, an engagement or there's a complex process that someone's going through a complex journey, ensuring that that consistency and the information and everything is clear has been essential. Um, and when there are people involved, it's not always the easiest thing. So, you know, giving the support or making sure that support structure is in place to ensure that consistency has been important. A lot of a lot of the businesses that I mentioned earlier, these pay, buy now, pay later um, 
offers that enable a customer to make a purchase at that point. They see something they like, they might be struggling to pay it all in one hit, but there's an option for them to take to actually make a purchase. I think when you start looking at the at why consumer duty is here, um, the processes and the practices that you have to put in place to ensure that the client understands what they're getting themselves into actually slows the sale down. And so you have this quandary of from a sales, certainly from a sales point of view, if you're trying to sell a product, um, marketing and process and how you build that uh, is all about driving someone towards consuming your service or your products. Um, but if you do this right, you actually have to slow that process down. You have to you have to give the client or the customer the opportunity to understand what they're buying, to understand the implement uh, or the implications potentially of taking out a loan, and actually uh, what that means if they're unable to pay. So, and a lot of these, I, th I think this has come about. And and by the way, I'm not a financial expert. Visolution work within the financial industry. We're not the financial experts in this. Um, but there is there is a real opportunity for businesses to get this right, to look after their customers and still achieve their business goals and outcomes. But it needs that structure and it needs process and it needs a lot of thought. It's not easy for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think uh, obviously sometimes what um, customers and end consumers actually like to do and find easy is not necessarily the best for them as well. And I think that's exactly where the focus should be in terms of how we make it sort of accessible and easier for them. Uh, and I guess this is where Visualision plays a really critical role, but also um, how we make sure that we do it within the within the rules and within the new regulations. Um, and I guess, Joseph, from your perspective, I know you have supported quite a few firms because um, we've worked together on some of those. So what's been, uh, in your view, the biggest challenges for, for companies? I mean, there's a plethora of, of challenges, uh, if I'm honest, but I think at quite a high level here, um, the direction of consume, consumer duty is clear. I think everyone sort of understands that um, uh, we need to reorient um, our business process, our culture, um, and even the economics of a, a business towards delivering good outcomes. And that concept is quite a clear concept, but what's really ambiguous is how to operationally implement that. And I think that's been one one really, really big challenge. So the almost the first question we get um, is what are they doing over there? So how how at the moment can I benchmark my consumer duty project and everything that's underway against my peer group to get assurance that what I'm doing um is at, at the very least sufficient if not you know top of the class so that that sort of benchmarking uh, uh challenge and really understanding what good looks like as we go through this journey of pointing our business towards good customer um outcomes has been one of the really big challenges i think and, and especially at an ined level where they're one step removed from the day-to-day -day business operations yet have retained um, a fair amount of responsibility uh, for the delivery of uh, 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 these projects. 
Yeah, it's an interesting point because I I tend to work a lot with boards of directors and I've got very senior observations that approaches have uh, have differed significantly with some consumer duty champions being quite distant from the and quite far removed actually from the process as well, despite being um, the dedicated individuals, if you like, and some have been extremely involved, almost an executive level. So it'd be really interesting where uh, where the regulators land in terms of the, if their expectations. And to be fair, the, 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 the latest sort of guidance has been along the lines of obviously we acknowledge there would be different approaches um, as long as justification and rationale is there, we will be supportive sort of. Um, so and I think that's that's right. And that's been usually the case. But it's really interesting. I think a lot of the um, the industry bodies have been really helping as well with bringing together, to your point about benchmarking, different players, for example, whether it's in investment management or in the banking space, and sort of discussing how this um, how this impacts uh, impacts them and what is the right approach. I haven't heard much about the technology point, though, which is sort of the focus of the discussion today. And I'm quite keen to get into uh, a little bit of a deeper conversation about where do you see the role of technology in the whole consumer duty journey? And, and I, I guess linked to that is, of course, um, the contribution of your own businesses and organisations and the role you have. But more broadly, where do you see the, uh, I guess, the main areas um, across the whole of the journey where technology can be used to the benefit of, of businesses? Uh, so, Joseph, maybe starting with you. Okay, so I think first up, it's important to acknowledge that there is no silver bullet. <clears throat> There's no one piece of technology that you're going to implement that's going to solve all your problems. That's just, um, and if anyone's telling you that, they're lying. <laughs> the <clears throat> so te technology um, uh, is going to play a huge part. Um, in the future operating models that are, uh, uh, are pointing towards uh, customer outcomes. The, the other thing before I get into this uh, to acknowledge, and I think this is also really important, so there's, there's no silver bullet, but there needs to be change. Um, consumer duty is here on the back of all the effort that already goes on. So. TCF frameworks, governance and assurance frameworks, quality assurance, you know, risk management, internal audit, all these systems of governance in the traditional three lines of defence model have been there, the whole, you know, for the last 10, 15 years. Uh, and even though they're there, and even though all this effort's expended, the FCA said uh, consumer outcomes are still not good enough, so we need to change. So. I think that's a really important point to acknowledge before we get into the text. So you need to do something different. <clears throat> we see traditional three lines of defence as completely unscalable, um, largely uh, driven uh, by manual process uh, and people. And as we're going into the future demands of consumer duty, where we have to demonstrate good customer outcomes across all products and services, all your different customer journeys, um, how do you scale a traditional three lines of defence model? Well, you do that by introducing a machine line of defence. So machines that take the first step in monitoring your customer interactions, um, how your staff are interacting with your uh, uh, customers, and let the machines do this initial range of assessment. So we can train models that can replicate your quality assurance processes to identify customer uh, uh, outcomes. 
and we can essentially monitor every interaction. And then we can triage based on your risk framework, customer interactions that your human teams need to look at. So take your machine uh, assessment to give you the breadth and then take your human assessment to give you the depth. So a, a true outcome assessment is going to look across the whole uh, uh, lifetime of uh, a customer. Uh, when they originally bought the product, the change in circumstances, whether that product's still relevant, uh, any any other things they've said or done uh, uh, along their journey. And you need people uh, to do that and you need experienced people. So we see a combination of machines and maybe smaller but higher skilled teams of or more experienced uh, teams of human assessors working together to give that breadth for your KPIs and the depth for your outcomes. And I think that sounds great, and I think it's definitely the way forward. But just for the skeptics of our listeners, who I'm sure are there, uh, I guess just a little bit of a follow-up question to you on that. How much of a reliable and verifiable is that reliance, if you like, on the machines? As in, where do, you, for example, businesses get their comfort that in, indeed the technology could capture the end-to-end -end customer interaction and could actually relevantly identify the key the key bits if you like where the humans have to look at yeah i think when you're dealing with natural language um just like people you, uh, machines are never going to be 100 percent um the advances we've seen in this technology over the last 18 months in particular are absolutely astounding um, <clears throat> so the ability to understand context from conversations, retain that context and take that context forward to future conversations um, is, is really, really astounding. And I think um, if you're operating at or higher than human parity, um, you shouldn't let the, the uh, the odd mistake that machine makes get get in the way, you know, it's, it's taking it's taking you uh, it's taking companies so much further forward in terms of understanding their customers, being able to act on the back of customer data, converting all of that, all of your customer interactions into data uh, and providing you with the opportunity to, uh, to take action, improve their outcomes. So this, um, it, these models are never going to be 100% perfect, but people aren't. Uh, and comparatively, um, uh, the 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 additional capability that you can bring, can't it just can't can't be ignored um, uh, uh, anymore? I don't think the the capability is is there. And I guess again, sorry, another follow up question, just because as a if you know if I'm a user, I probably would ask all these questions. But in terms of efficiencies, when you look at, for example, what if you like the the machine uh, piece can do versus the human, how much how much are you gaining if you like? Yeah, I think so. If you if you, it, it's a couple of ways of looking at this. So if you use a product like Veni, um, and compare how quickly you can um, assess a customer uh, yep. uh, interaction versus a manual process, you know, for a call that's say fifty minutes, like a quite a long call, it, you know, it's on average five to six times quicker. So you get efficiencies embedded in the human monitoring process straight away. 
Um, but this efficiency is across the whole journey. So if you're monitoring, let's say, 100% of your interactions via machine assessment, and then you're triaging via a targeted risk-based framework into your human teams, your human teams are no longer randomly sampling calls and listening to them and saying, ooh, that was good. Um, they're listening to all the high risk, all the high value uh, interactions. Um, so you're really focused on the customers that could be moving towards uh, realizing harm um, uh, and you're taking action and it's all pointed towards the highest risk uh, uh, parts of your business operations. Uh, and then there's a, a, a whole range of other efficiencies around uh, reporting, analytics, insight um, uh, that come out of the back of, uh, of these tools. Yeah, no, that's great. How much of a how much verifiable, if you like, it is the, as in how much reliance you can put on the inputs, if you like, into the system. So is it possible that you can do some sort of an independent assurance, if you like, over the mm -hmm. the hundred percent sample? And I guess sort of linked to that is how easy is to integrate that piece into existing frameworks? It's it's incredibly easy. I mean, you know. Um, Effectively, we work with our clients um, to embed their existing monitoring processes onto our platform. Um, and then um, we work to automate um, the assessment of, of those uh, uh, questions, the, the, the framework. Um, and then you have your machine assessment in place. Now that process can take any any anything depending on, on complexity from two weeks to you know a couple of months. But from that point on, um, you have a machine assessing every interaction. Uh, in terms of <clears throat> transparency, explainability, you know, the traditional risks that are associated with um, AI first or data-driven products, um, we capture accuracy metrics across the board. Um, so all of our classifications come with uh, a, a confidence uh, level, um, which is which is clearly uh, very important. And you can trace back, obviously, because we're assessing an interaction, you can trace everything back to the to the point in the call. And just very quickly, um, one thing, uh, one technique that we use, which is incredibly important, um, is called human in the loop. So we provide the opportunity for uh, an assessor, uh, an agent, a user of the platform. Um, if they disagree with one of our classifications, they can highlight that, they can write feedback. We take that um, uh, automatically out of our system and we can retrain models with that and retest uh, those models uh, automatic automatically. And that gives ownership to the users of the platform. It's their data set, it's their models. Um, uh, and and embeds continual improvement. Um, so these things will get better um, over time, which is uh, uh, very encouraging. That's fantastic. I really like the bit that the the humans retain the right to argue with the machine. I quite like that. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I promise I'll stop here with uh, with the examination. Uh, Simon, what's your view on the role of technology in the journey? Um, I think we take a slightly different. Well, we obviously take a, a different approach to what Joseph was talking about, but um, very much complementary. So um, and it, I can sort of go back to a couple of the things you were talking about previously as well around benchmarking 
and uh, best practice and consistency of these services and what and, and how you engage with the, the end customer. Um, we we are not, we we we're not just doing like an online transaction. So this is typically managing something that would be a two way transaction between a client uh, and the brand that they're engaging with. And in many cases, they're often the client will still keep will keep coming back because they want a unique experience. And if this is a remote activity, uh, which is where most of our work goes on, then uh, you know maintaining that that experience for the customer where they think they're getting a special one-on-one -on -one engagement, whether that's through an online portal or whether it's actually engaging with an advisor, uh, is important. Where we are able to support is to take that best practice. Uh, and that benchmarking and actually uh, use technology to create clarity, to create guidance, um, enable an agent or system to deliver a consistent and compliant experience. So you in, you, you're taking the information that you learn and you're applying that in a way that if it's uh, an advisor that's actually working with the end customer, they're using uh, next best action, there's guidance to, to the engagement they're doing. Uh, we use curated content. Um, so you still have, you're still able to do those complex engagements, but we keep the whole journey on point. We ensure it stays within um, some, it, potentially within the information and the, the practices that you found through monitoring the engagement. So there should be constant exp uh, improvements. But it enables enables both the advisor to feel comfortable and confident in delivering a good job and ensure that they are doing the right things for the, the customer, but also the customer is able to see, hear, decide, engage, respond to ensure the best outcome as well. And do you do that on sort of your own platform or do you overlay that with existing, if you like, platforms or systems that organizations have yeah so i mean a lot of these engagements historically and and if you think about it in terms of how how every business engages with their customers now has changed dramatically over the last couple of years so a lot of very traditional businesses that were used to footfall um through to their bricks and mortar uh, sites whether it was a bank or a shop had to very quickly convert to delivering their services remotely um, and some of the mistakes were made that they just assumed that they would be able to do that without changing the journey. But the reality is the experience is very different and you have to put safeguards and you have to ensure that you cover everything that you would do if you were face to face. Um, but the knee jerk reaction for that was lots of different point products. You know, it's it's like, a, oh, we've got video so we can see uh, we're able to show stuff. We can send. A, a a document signing you know a digital document to be signed they're all individual point products and if you put if you're not careful you you get a very fractured and broken journey so the customer potentially won't actually complete what they're supposed to do yeah. uh, you know and things get left or they lag or people forget or they come back late and, and things change um Sorry, I've lost track slightly there. Um, but what we do as a platform is bring all those point products together. 
So we actually are able to build a consistent journey that takes the client through step by step the things that they need to do. We can put stop gaps. We can we can do checks and monitors. We can give advice through that process, but ultimately ensure we take from the start through to completion in one consistent journey. Yeah. Sometimes that means enabling someone to go away and do it at their own pace, their own time. Uh, other times it's if it's more complex, the advisor wants to be there and ensure they're able to support the, the end customer at that first point of asking. So it's, it's about having the right tools, those right point products all linked together um, in a seamless experience. In terms of so in terms of that being a platform, yes, absolutely, it's a platform, but also it integrates well into other things. So every business has their technology stack that they they use. Many of them are ratifying all the different tools. So trying to bring it all into one place uh, and we enable that. We help that. We're typically the last mile, that piece between the business and the customer and ensuring that the customer gets best possible experience and the outcome that's expected. Yeah, sounds great. And to be fair, I must admit that nowadays, unless I can do something through an application on my phone, I don't do it at all. So I'm grateful that we are sort of moving uh, more generally towards entirely um, digital customer journeys, because clearly is the is the future. Um, I, I guess a very pertinent question to all that discussion is what's going to happen past the 31st of July deadline? And I guess where from your standpoint uh, where do you see the challenges now once we've let's say implemented all the rules um but the, you know to your earlier point i guess joseph about monitoring um the data analytics um where do you see some of the um ongoing if like issues firms will have to grapple with uh, once the rules are in place joseph maybe you first um yeah sure the i mean i would I think um, just just addressing before we get on to that, a couple of points that have been made. So I think Simon, you mentioned it at the outset and you just mentioned it there, um, uh, Irina. The a, a natural tension is emerging between digital only journeys and consumer duty. And I, I find this fascinating. So I think this is this is going to be a, a clear point of tension where understanding what adequate is um, for the uh, consumer understanding uh, uh, line in particular for an end-to-end digital-only journey where you may be faced with, for example, um, compound interest as a product feature. How can you how can you be sure that the customer um, has really understood what compound interest is, whether it's a or, or a buy now pay later uh, product where you've you've got maybe interest rates cut in multiple uh, uh, different ways. Um, <clears throat> there's a real natural tension there. I I'm, I genuinely don't know what the expectations will be for demonstrating that customer as 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 truly understood. I'm not suggesting that everyone should you know call up or have a video conference uh, for these sort of products. Um, but I think this 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 will emerge as a, a, a clear point of tension 
um, as we progress into this next phase. But what, what should people expect after July 31st? I think a holiday. <laughs> I'm Primarily. sure everybody will be very keen to do that. Yes, Dawn holiday. Um, yeah, the, you know, pr practically speaking, you know, in September, the first round of, of letters and feedback is, is going to come back from the FCA. In January, everyone's going to start talking about board reporting and, and the deadline for, for getting your consumer duty board papers um in a in a, a good position and then for the big uh, uh ginormous um financial services organizations with lots of legacy and heritage products you know to look forward to the the, the deadline at, at this time next year for for historic products you know that's really the sort of high level roadmap here within that i think the 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 real point of interest is just the feedback that the FCA are going to start dropping in. What we've seen that's good, what we've seen that's not so good. Uh, and the, the start of this process of homogenizing um, consumer duty uh, uh, projects and outputs across different uh, verticals within the, the industry. Um, <clears throat> operationally or practically speaking, I think what we'll find is amazing board reports emerging and then an operational scramble uh, to try and uh, 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 get the data together um, to support those uh, board reports. And I think that's where, if any, um, uh, or from a, a technical perspective, where, where we're really hoping to sort of come through, you know, uh, capturing that data, analysing that data, uh, automating um, uh, uh, the board report, board reporting, enabling executives with executive dashboards to get a much better understanding of what these figures mean by being able to drill through into underlying interactions, to be able to identify team issues, uh, uh, et cetera, uh, et cetera. So I think this next phase is going to be about the demonstrating that what you, you say you do, you actually do, uh, and, and, and reporting that um, to boards and, and the regular. No, I totally agree. I think what's going to be really interesting is once you've actually got the data and you've been able to analyse it and you have to take some actions to address some of the weaknesses, it's like where do you start and how, how you make sure you go about right. So, um, yeah, it is going to be really, I think, tricky from that point. But but Simon, more more interestingly, what are your expectations? Uh, it's it's a really good question and it's difficult to know. I, um, I mean, as Joseph said, there is there is this contradictory, realistically a contradictory requirement between what a business is trying to achieve from a sales point of view and whether or not the customer is being appropriately looked after and protected. And I think what we will likely see is off the back of some complaints, we'll start to see actually what the reaction is and how businesses then are expected to react. I think there will be, there will be uh, a lot of monitoring. I think as things get flushed out, people will react quickly, um, or they should be. So I think um, I think the businesses will will have to act promptly and decisively. So they'll have to be seen to be doing the right thing and reacting quickly. But I also think more and more businesses are going to have to start um, sort of post service or post sale, uh, getting a better understanding of. Um, 
the feedback that's available from their customers. I think they're going to have to um, track that feedback, um, make changes, you know, react to it appropriately, publicly show that they've made those changes and then gain more feedback. Um, I know there was uh, in, in a previous life, businesses were often worried about collecting feedback and getting negative, uh, getting a negative um, response and actually that looking like a complaint. But the reality is that's your early warning. You know, if you're able to get feedback and, and a customer says, I'm not happy about this, there's your opportunity to actually start addressing your processes and your practices, understanding where, what you've got wrong and resolving it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it it's going to be interesting. I think I think some people will get it right, some people will get it wrong. Um, there will be a balancing act between people trying to do the minimum to, you know, as usual, so it doesn't <laughs> impact too much ultimately what they're expected to deliver from a business point of view. Um, it sounds, you know, probably shouldn't say, it, but I think you know, businesses are in business for a reason. Um, I think I think any organisation that actually nails this idea of consumer duty and delivers against their business targets will have some form of, you know, that's the holy grail. That's what that's nirvana. That's what every business should be aspiring to. And I think uh, as organisations get it wrong, we'll see and you'll have to react. But as businesses are seen to get it right, they'll get copied and everything will improve. It's just a matter of time. I guess, and how fast those things happen. Well, I absolutely agree. I think for those firms who realise that the ongoing constant feedback loop is actually uh, the most effective tool for success is probably is probably going to be um, the, the best outcome for them. Final question, I guess, very briefly. Um, and I, I guess you can, of course, talk about your own businesses, but more broadly, if you like, what would be your advice to firms who would like to utilise technology for, for the purposes of consumer duty? Simon. Um, I think I think generally, um, OK, Joseph said it, uh, there's no silver bullet. So you're not going to be able to buy a piece of technology that just fixes this. So, um, you know, any any technology that assists a business in how they engage with their customers, it has to be clearly thought through. It needs to be treated like their own product, i.e. it needs to evolve. They need to understand it. it needs to expand and react to what the business is trying to achieve and, and the feedback they gain. Um, but ultimately, you've got to focus on the customer outcome. Um, and actually, interestingly, your employee experience as well. Because if you are supporting your employees in doing the best possible job, um, firstly, you'll have good employees, you'll have happy employees, and you'll have positive business results from that. But, you know, if the employee's doing the right thing, if the business is doing the right thing, you'll end up with happy customers. So it's about focusing on the outcome. It's about using technology to achieve what you're trying to do from a business and customer point of view and not you can't just buy a product and expect it to deliver. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Joseph, your view? Yeah, I'd, I mean, I would say um, AI, machine learning, natural language processing is going to play a huge part here. 
um, you know, there's we're in the mid middle of a, uh, or we're just, I should say, we're just at the at the start of a of a bit of a revolution in this um, space, and the decisions you make now can be very very hard to unpick. You you need harmonised, consistent data layers with single uh, customer views to effectively leverage the automate automation potential uh, from this technology. And if you're implementing a hopscotch of different products services with poor APIs without clear uh, alignment, um, you can undermine um, the the your potential during this next phase of uh, AI adoption for for automating things like consumer duty um, outcomes. So I would be really cognizant of that. Decisions that are being made as we speak are putting companies back a year, two, three years um, uh, for the adoption of the technology they're going to need to automate and scale um, for things like consumer duty. So that'd be one thing I'd be really, really cognizant of. The other thing I should say, um, which may contradict what I've just said <laughs> is is you've got to start you've got to start somewhere. Um, uh, of any, we offer free proof of values. You give us your data for no cost. We show you the output in the context of consumer duty and highlight where uh, you may have emerging gaps or or, or risks uh, from within your data. So we tell you what your data says, and I think that can be quite useful to get the insight in this next phase of planning um uh in terms of tech stacks etc so yeah it's uh it, there's there's no easy answers um but you know plan well think about data um and 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 get going yeah no absolutely agree and i think your point about the role of ai in business more broadly going forward and the revolutionary effect of it we we simply cannot deny that consumer duty is no different to that and in fact if you try and implement it now it's probably going to be ahead of uh, uh, of the curve as we like to say here on that note thank you very much both for being part of this discussion today i found it uh, absolutely fascinating uh, clearly a lot we can do with um with technology in that space as with any other space frankly in business so it's been great to hear what you guys have uh, supporting clients with um and I'm sure our clients have found it very useful. I'm not going to attempt to summarize the discussion. Uh, I will though I will though thank our listeners for for tuning in. And again, to our listeners, you can sign up to the Financial Services Regulatory Newsletter to receive weekly updates and invites into your inbox and to stay up to date with the upcoming episodes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. We'll be back with our next episode next month. Thank you again and goodbye.